They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Hello and welcome to Two Bald Pastors. We are two follically challenged pastors talking scripture from, uh, well, I guess we're still in exile, aren't we there, Joe? We are still in exile. Yeah, so uh, I'm Jeff Cinebaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry, and we are taking a look at Scripture with you. Um, And last episode, we talked about the exile and how it helps us frame not only the Old Testament, but all of Scripture. And and I think it is an interesting way to look at Scripture and how we interact with Scripture and what we do. So we are going to be taking that and taking a look at the beginning, uh, taking a look at Genesis. Nice. Did you know that Genesis actually is a band from the 80s? I do know that. <laughs> I wonder where they got their name from. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, probably someplace. I'm, 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 I'm guessing. No, anyway, uh, Genesis means in the beginning. So there you go. So that is exactly where we're going to start. But we're actually not going to start there because we have to, again, as Joe just said, frame where we are. So yep. like we talked about last time, uh, the people of Israel were conquered by the Babylonians and were taken off, off the land. They, they lost their, their home. They lost their temple. Uh, they lost their cultural identity. The way of life. Way of life. All of those things. Uh, they, some of them went to Babylon. Some of them probably went all over the empire, I'm guessing. Uh, some of them were probably left behind, but the the cultural identity piece goes to that place of exile in Babylon, uh, in a, a way of of lament and um, shame and curiosity about the future and where God might be with them or has abandoned them. So so that is that is the place where they are when we're going to hear this story. So I think that just is helpful for me because, I don't know, when I grew up, the conversation was always about, you know, are you taking Genesis literally? Are you taking it metaphorically? Are you putting it with science? Are you putting it against science? Um, Can the two be in concert or in conversation with one another? Um, And what what do you think about that? Um, Yeah, it's interesting because we do take a look at it from – our perspective today and how we may or may not view creation, the start of everything. And we, we, at least I haven't really asked the question, what was the purpose of writing this? Why was this written in this particular way, in this particular style, which with such authority on, this is the order. This is how things are. And God saw that it was all good and what does that really mean, that it was good versus right. what would it look like if it wasn't good? And, and we do have examples of what that may or may not have looked like from Babylon. Yeah. And again, just to give a little disclaimer, I'm not suggesting that they made it up while they were in Babylon. I'm, I'm suggesting the, they had these stories all along and it was right. an oral tradition and some of it was written down. Um, but it is the the framing it and the the editing of it and the putting it all together in the framework that we still have in the books we have um, that this form of this story gets placed during that time. 
uh, in the way that it does. So it's it's not making it up. It's it's the way it's proclaimed. It's like a sermon. You know, you you hear this story, you tell this story to a people in a place at a time for a purpose. And uh, I think these stories make a lot more sense to me, at least by framing it in that Babylonian place of you are in exile. You've been, you've lost everything. Does God still have a purpose for you or not? And they want to preach a sermon that says, absolutely. Yes. And so you take this story and you start to frame it. So what is it in conversation with? So you can look this up on your own. If you type in uh, Anamu Elish or Babylonian uh, creation myth, and you can actually read the translated tablets, uh, which is a long poem, or you can do what I've done several times and you just find a little summary. Um, I'm not going to get into the depths of it, but the basic premise is at the beginning of time, it's a cosmic war between the gods and the two main players in that are a female god named Tiamat and a male god named Marduk. And they're at war with one another. They're actually family. So that always makes it more interesting. And it always has to be family, doesn't it? <clears throat> Absolutely. But anyway, <laughs> um, what happens is Tiamat is killed and out of her corpse, in particular out of her eye sockets, come the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. So that is the setting of Babylon. That's where this people find themselves. And so what you have is basically a carcass uh, as Earth. And then what happens in this cosmic war is the the gods are are fighting for supremacy over one another. And uh, they create people out of some of the carcass of the dead body to serve them. And they end up building a city, Babylon, to dominate these these poor little things um, to serve the gods. And then where they find themselves is uh, as an empire on earth with the goal purpose of dominating these other peoples around them because it's their way of serving the gods. But the basic framework is the earth is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter is bad. Um, the the gods are uncontrollable, violent. Uh, the The real state of the world is chaos, and you can't really count on what's going to happen. Um, you know, it's it's vengeance, it's domination, it's bloody, it's all the things that I mean seem like human experience, and yep. in a lot of ways, yep. we've all been through a lot of that in the last few years for sure. Um, and, and, you know, just uncertainty all the time. Right. And so the only thing you can do is to, to fall in line to serve the empire and conquer the people so that the gods will look well on you. So maybe things won't be so bad for the people you care about. <laughs> so, okay. So now you're the people that have been dominated uh, or at least the people that we are going to focus on in this, in the Bible. And what story do you have? You have a story of God's goodness Mm. that God creates not out of uh, warfare or out of uh, the need for violence, blood, or domination, but out of creativity, out of uh, finding a, a world that is good. 
where there's uh, yeah, there's a little repetition of at the end of each day, which gives an order and a framework to, to, to how it works rather than it just being totally random and uncontrollable and, and scary. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's abundant. And it, it, uh, when God speaks stuff happens, it's not because, uh, the enemies are slain. It's just out of, out of God's initiative that these things come, uh, you know, which starts with light and then you've got water and you've got, uh, the earth and you've got, plant life and you've got animals and you know, you've all this stuff just keeps coming forth just because God wills it to happen by speaking. Mm. And the reflection at the end of each day is it's good. It's good. It's good. And and, and people are not created out of servitude towards God. It is out of God's love for God's creation. And get this, the people are made in God's image. Yes. They're not leftover garbage. Right. They're not junk. Um, they're not worthless. Instead, it's uh, God wants some partners. Yeah. God wants to uh, bring forth more life yep. and, and more goodness around it. So the people are entrusted with, with the creation. They're entrusted with the, the animal life. They're entrusted with each other uh, to go and, and, and go forth and multiply and, and fill the earth with with life and abundance, just as God has spoken it into, into happening. Now you go and take care of this and, and make it even better. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of a beautiful story when you start thinking about it like that. And now if you really start thinking about a world where it is chaos, it is violent, you have been dominated. Um, you have lost all the things that you've, you, you, you've held dear. Um, it's kind of subversive. It's kind of radical. It's kind of uh, a totally different way of of approaching even your enemies, because didn't God create them too? Right. And it and it's interesting. All those other questions, right? Was the creation story in actual seven twenty four hour days, or you know, what about the Big Bang theory and and all of these other questions that we have? about the creation story seem to to go away a little bit when we think about why was this story told and what is its significance to the people at the time and how can it be significant to us as well? Yeah, and I don't think they're, those are insignificant questions. People certainly have those questions and want to explore them, and I don't want to deter them from that. Um, I've moved away from it because I've I, discovering this, I mean, I know people have known about this Babylonian myth for years, but for me, really rediscovering it in the last couple of years and, and thinking about this, I find it fascinating. And right. just even from a human development standpoint of saying, okay, how do these cultures clash? And then you also think about, all right, at the time, you are at the, at the bottom. You have nothing to hope for anything other than just maybe you can survive another day under this regime, right? Which seems impenetrable. And then you look back in history and the story we're telling is, is the story of the people at the bottom who proclaimed goodness and the Babylonians went away eons ago. Right. And you think, okay, there's, there's something to that. But you also think of the world we live in, what is the story most people actually live in? 
it is the story of chaos and domination and I got to get mine and those people over there are, are bad guys and I can't trust anybody and I'm in it for myself or I, I have to try to be a good person so God likes me or, you know, all of these things. I mean, they're very human concepts. Absolutely. They're still very much alive and well. Uh, it is still, I think, pretty countercultural and I don't want to say revolutionary, but it's, it's radical enough to look at the world as chaotic as it feels and seems. And, uh, you know, you watch the news and it feels like it's, it's getting destroyed faster than we can even record it. And yet it's good. Right. And that's, that's what I mean about the significance. Those other questions, right. Are not completely insignificant, but they, they seem to be not the primary questions that we ask when it comes to this story. It is about the goodness and about God's love and about how we experience the world where it is chaotic, where it is feeling like sometimes it's falling down around us, but the purpose of the world, the purpose of, of scripture for us is, is the goodness of God's love for us. And I think people are hungry for that. I mean, think of people that they may have been religious or may not. I don't want to lump anybody into categories, but there is something about when you're having a rough day and you get to spend some time outside that you, you do feel a little better. Yeah. Um, does it, it doesn't necessarily solve any of your problems, but it, it does. I don't know. There's something innately, I would like to say human about being connected to the earth in which we've been placed and to say that that is a good place. Um, or we, we aspire for it to be a good Good place. I mean, if you look out at a sunset or you experience the grandeur of mountains or the, the beauty of beaches or even just hanging out in your lawn. Yeah. You know, there, there's something about that of how we're connected. And maybe maybe we've been maybe we've been trained to do it, but I don't I don't think so. I think there's something something about us that craves that. And, um, you know, creating something that's, that has some order, that has some beauty to it, that feels like it, it, it can create something new. I mean, think of why so many people have gardens or, mm-hmm. or, or keep flowers or have fruit trees or, you know, even just like to spend time cutting the grass. I mean, there's, there's something about being outside in nature that I think this story speaks to that's helpful. Yeah. I, uh, grew up going outside a lot. I, you know, was involved in scouts. I'm an Eagle scout. I've done a lot of hiking, camping, that sort of thing. And it, it's been a few years since I've really tackled a, a mountain, but, uh, a number of years ago I was with my son and a couple of friends and we were hiking and, I must say I, it was a struggle for me, you know, going, going up the mountain, it was probably a three to four mile hike. And it was, I thought it was pretty elevated, probably some beginner hikers or advanced hikers might think it wasn't, but I, I just remember that, that struggle and that, that feeling of like, I want to be able to do this. I, I need to be able to do this. I should be able to do this. And we spent a couple hours hiking and, 
then, and I, and I feel this every single time I, we get to the top of, the, of a mountain, right? Just the, the euphoric feeling of I did it. And then just the massive outlook of God's beauty all around me, it, it makes the journey worth it. And that's kind of the feeling that I get when I, when I read this story is, you know, there, there are struggles in our life. There are things that, that we just feel like we should be able to do something better, or we want things to be better, or we have these struggles where we just feel like we can't go on anymore, but we push ourselves. But out of every one of those journeys, there is the end. There is some sort of resolution where you do have that feeling of order again. You do have that feeling of this now is a, is a good experience. And what I had experienced before, all those struggles, it, it, looking back in some ways, it enabled me to be here in this place at this time. Have you experienced something like that before? Well, yeah, lots of times, um, you know, I've, I like saying, you know, I, I like coming home at the end of the day, uh, living where I live, which is right next to Long Island Sound. I always feel better when I get to see the water at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day or the sun rising or setting. There's something, I don't know. I feel like my life is more in harmony when I am connected to those things yeah. on a, on a day to day basis. And I just have the uh, privilege of living in a place that's beautiful. Um, but I, I would say throughout my life, I, I would always say that's true. There's a little bit of just, like I said, if you, if you're just sitting in the grass, that just, there's something about that. Um, that's calming and peaceful and, and centering. I mean, of course I've, I've, had the ability to travel a lot too. So I've, I've been to many national parks and, you know, you look out at the grand Canyon or you're in the mountains in Montana or looking out at a beautiful, one of those sequoia trees that's bigger than your living room wide. Mm. There's, there's something humbling about creation like that, or you're, you're on, you know, the West coast and you see the, the waves really rolling in, which you don't get on the Long Island Sound. <laughs> um, and you think, wow, you know, what, what a amazing world this is. Or even you, you go to the aquarium and you see the diversity. Or, or I had the ability a number of years ago to, I was in Africa on a mission trip with my friend. And we uh, actually saw some animals on safari, you know, to, to like see an elephant in the, in the wild. Yeah. I mean, it's a controlled environment because it's a reserve, but at the same time, just to, to feel that and say, okay, this has gone back how many hundreds of thousands of years of, of people being um, side by side, these, these amazing creatures and, um, or, or, or you, you know, you go to the museum to see those old dinosaur bones and say, wow, that's right. just some crazy stuff. Yeah. You know, we yeah. watched Jurassic park with my daughter for the first time recently. Yeah. And, I mean, we kind of laughed at some of the uh, computer graphics because it was kind of the first movie that was really like that. But and you know, we talked about how amazing it was to see that at the time. But you know, we talked about just what a diversity of of life that the world has produced. And then I watched a movie like uh, Don't Look Up recently, mm-hmm. where it all crashes and burns. Um, which is which is not also uh, that far off of some of these old ancient stories, 
Right. Uh, too, right? That it is about destruction and, and humanity's doomed. That's not a new story. Right. Um, and yet in the middle of, of this story, it's, it's all about the rhythm of God declaring things good, of declaring humanity very good, which I don't think a lot of us look at humanity and think it's very good. Uh, whether it's ourselves or society or the news or those people over there or whatever. And then to be able to, to claim a moment to say we're supposed to stop and appreciate it um, with the whole idea of Sabbath at the end, it's such a it's such a revolutionary concept because I'll be the first one to admit, I don't like stopping to do anything. No, I, right, I, I right, just right. go. I yeah. mean, I go, I go, I go. And I kind of don't know what to do with myself when I stop. And but I know when I'm doing it, wow, I really need that. And I and I should crave it more and practice it more. Um, We started in my house doing something where on Friday evenings we try to not put the TV on or do anything. It's not really Sabbath, but it's it's just like a moment to stop and actually just kind of hang out and enjoy each other. And if somebody's got something going on and they need to leave, that's fine. Um, but if you're home on Friday night, it's pretty low key. It's pretty light fare. It's, it's hanging out. It's conversation. It's maybe a little music on, maybe we'll play a card game or something, but it's not just the constant busyness of everything else going on constantly. And carving out that time has been pretty fruitful. It's been good. It's been good. If you were to carve out, or if one of our listeners wanted to carve out for themselves, an ideal time of Sabbath, what do you think that would look like? Well, I know we talk about Sabbath. I mean, you read the the actual passage. It says it's a day of rest. I mean, I can't imagine actually trying to practice that in any real way. Right, right. (laughs) And maybe that's on me. Uh, And maybe the way I am the way I am is is part of the issue. But... um, I think claiming any moment, if it's a moment during the day, if it's a moment during the week, if it's clearing your schedule, if it's scheduling, actually. I mean, think of the rhythm of the week that's presented here. Rest is scheduled. Right? Yep. Um, I think I think there needs to be some kind of intentionality around it. And then to go back around, I mean, we're... I, I think we still are people in exile. I think that is our, our primary story we're working out of most of the time because we're, we're overwhelmed by so many things that are going around us uh, in our lives, right? And we feel kind of out of sorts a lot. And uh, especially over the course of these last couple of years where we've been literally exiled either to our homes or away from our jobs in different ways or figuring out school or uh, what activities we're going to do or not do, or if they're safe to do or not, um, you know, it's been forced on us a little bit, and then we have to to carve back out. Okay, what what is important to us and what what might not be, and actually put that into some conversation. Um, yeah, going going into the to the small catechism, Martin Luther said we are to fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching or God's word, but instead keep that word holy and gladly hear it and learn it. And it's, it's interesting when we talk about Sabbath uh, and for many of us, 
we may say Sunday is our time of Sabbath. And I remember as a kid or, you know, I'd say, well, if that's not my Sabbath, that means I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go to church or, you know, it, it is part of it is resting, but also part of it is living in God's word and, and figuring out the best way that we, we can do that, which for many of us is, is attending uh, some sort of church service uh, on a Sunday and as our Sabbath time. I think back to these people, I mean, to just lap it back again to where we started, right? Yeah. You're in exile. You've lost your temple. You've lost your land. You've lost your understanding of who you are. And to claim, we're going to take some time and pause to reflect on who we are and who God is, uh, to use Luther's word, to, to, you know, to, to hear God's word and, and gladly hear and learn it. Um, there, there's, some, there's something profound about that, that it's not, well, I guess we missed it, so it's over. Right. Or, I, you know, I guess I need to move on and do something else. But to actually pause in the midst of that and say, wait a minute, um, there is something here that I need. And the world needs. And I can't do it if, unless, I, uh, unless I'm re-centered. Um, I mean, usually when we hear about Sabbath or taking a day off, I, I think the first thing we, we feel is, is guilt and shame because we're bad at it. Well, maybe that's me. I'm ba- I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am bad at this. Now that you're not getting paid to go to church on Sunday. Well, it's not even church. It's just the the whole idea of pausing, right? I right, mean, that's why right. we created this Friday night thing. We started this Friday night thing while I was still working in a congregation because it was like, all right, Sunday is work day. I mean, it's, yeah. it's busy when you're trying to run a congregation on a Sunday morning. You're not there resting. You're you're yeah. you're got your nose to the floor, so to speak. But you're you know you're cruising along. So to actually carve out some space and say, yeah, okay, we're going to do this now as as a family. We're going to do this. But I think what happens is we get we get so overwhelmed by I don't think I can do it or I feel guilty about it. I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. And that, I think, is a is a mistake, because I think, you know, one of the ways God's word works is it it calls us out on our stuff, but it calls it out on our stuff because what's being prescribed is actually good for us. And if if we can if it can capture us somehow. I mean, there's good news in there too, mm-hmm. and the the good news is if if you can claim, I mean, think of these these folks who are hearing this story and claiming the story, and hopefully we can we can do the same. I mean, to actually call God's world good in the midst of all the things we're struggling because we've taken a moment to appreciate it. That's good news. That is good news, right? And then. It's not that the problems go away or if we can just tune them out, maybe we'll be all right. I don't think it's calling us to do that either. It is to, okay, then go back out, reassert yourself into the world to bring that goodness out, uh, to share that goodness, to to help bring some joy and appreciation with others. Because uh, chances are just about everybody else is pretty overwhelmed too. Yeah. Um, and we can we can be those ambassadors of that. Uh, created goodness that we claim um, because we we know we're, we're made in God's image and, and God calls us good. Yeah. Part of, for, for me, part of intentionality is a part of taking Sabbath, um, being intentional about it. Uh, I've created uh, even some mini, 
what I would call mini Sabbath times every morning. I, I have a morning ritual that I begin each and every day with. And since I've established that, it's only been a couple of weeks, but it just centers me and prepares me for the morning in a way that I've never experienced before. And part of that is dwelling in the word of God. Part of that mm-hmm. is getting some intentional movement or exercise and ensuring that I'm caring for myself and connecting with others. And, and all of that uh, is a very important part of my morning ritual and extending that, you know, I haven't really, but I'm starting to think now extending that into a Sabbath day and being intentional about that, because it is very easy to be overwhelmed uh, on the day that we uh, claim as our Sabbath, whether it is a Sunday or for me, uh, a Friday and saying, okay, here are the things that I need to do in order to care for myself so that I can care for others during that, that time of Sabbath. Out of this conversation, I think I'm going to take that away with me and, and think about, okay, if I was to create my ideal day of Sabbath, what would that look like? What would be involved? Is it part of it going outside and spending some time in God's creation? Is it spending time reading scripture or praying or talking with others or whatever it may be? Uh, I think it would be a, an important part moving forward. Yeah. And true confessions time. Uh, I'm usually really horrible at daily devotions. I've yeah. always been really bad at them. Um, it's not that I don't care or I'm not interested. I just quite honestly get to working right away. Um, however, I will say since I've been working at school, what's been really great is we have daily prayer. And I'm kind of in charge of it. I mean, I have the, the the kids lead it, but it's really nice. So, you know, I get to school kind of, there's kind of a multitude of little Sabbaths that start. I get to school early, really before a lot of people arrive. So the building is still pretty quiet. And I have kind of those moments to myself. I mean, it's getting ready, but it's also just a, a quiet, low key time. And then we we gather those who want to come. Uh, in the chapel for those 10 minutes, um, you know, there's a, gre- we greet each other as you, as you would. And, and we read a Psalm and we read usually a piece of other scripture. And then there's some prayers and it's, it's not long, Yeah, but there's that moment of, of pause before the craziness starts of the rest of the day that I really do look forward to every day mm. it, and days when there's something going on for whatever reason, I, I, I miss it. I really miss it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh, and I hear that from the kids that come on a regular basis too. Cause not every kid's there every day. Um, but the ones that do come on a pretty consistent basis, they always say like, Oh, I missed it. I got here late today uh, or something like that. And then we started doing one in the afternoon around, kind of like when lunch is dying down before the afternoon picks up. Um, and I, we kind of almost put it on pause for a while because, you know, there, no one was really coming to it. And then I ran into a couple of kids uh, this week and they were asking about it because they're like, oh, we, we need that. Mm. We're, we're feeling a little lost in the day and it's too late to come in the morning. Is there any way we can start that up again? And I, I said, absolutely. So we, we've been doing that again the last few days and, there's there's a real power to that pause moment, yep. Um, which which is what it's supposed to be. It, it's a gift. It's a gift that we're given to to rest, or at least to pause and recalibrate what we're doing, because it is a hectic world. 
And even if it's not on a daily basis, right. you know, even on the weekly basis. And I'm sure many of our listeners over the last couple of years got out of that sure. weekly rhythm of going to church or spending time in prayer and scripture. And I tell you, time and time again, when I talk to people and about getting back into that habit of going to church again and the difference that it makes on people's week is just astounding. Yeah. I think we overthink it probably, right? Cause we want it to be a certain thing or to look a certain way or to have certain elements or to meet some expectation. I, I, I don't know. Or we have to do it. It's like all or nothing. Like I go right. every week at this time or I don't go at all right? because right. I can't do it. And yeah. and maybe that's looking at it the wrong way. I mean, if, if it, it really is about just craving that moment and taking it somehow um, and, and, and seeking it out or creating a space for it or connecting in your community or, or doing, you know, in a more traditional way, a worship service, there, there's got to be a lot of different ways we can live into this that doesn't just have to feel like I'm feeling beat up because it's one more thing on the list I can't do. Um, and, and, you know, and we've got kind of our own imposed exile on ourselves because we, we, we feel lousy about it. Yeah. And we say, oh, I'm, I must not be a very good person because I can't even do that. Um, I, I don't think that's what the message of this is. I think it is a gift of God saying, I've given you this world. I appreciate its beauty. You should too. Yeah. And not only that, but I love you and I want you to thrive. And if you just got your head down the whole time, you're not going to notice. And I know I'm, I'm super guilty of that, but I'm, I'm working on how do I take those moments to pause and, and really just have those moments of gratitude. And it does change your day. It does. It really does. It does. It really does. Well, thank you, Jeff, for this conversation. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We are the two bald pastors talking about scripture and how it connects with your life. And we are very thankful for you and you participating in this podcast by downloading it, by sharing it with others. And we appreciate all the feedback that we uh, get from you um, and just we're excited that we're, we're continuing with this and that we're doing this and we are uh, making new episodes for you. And we continue, we'll continue uh, every other week at this point uh, releasing these episodes. So uh, thank you so much. So your assignment between now and the next episode is give yourself a break. Yeah, right. Take that Sabbath. Enjoy God's creation in any way you feel called to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. So until next week, we are the Two Bald Pastors. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Take care and be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors.